0: This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode hello and welcome to the positive choice wellness podcast i'm annalise an exercise physiologist and nutritionist and my name is melanie i'm also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist and today we are welcoming a very special return guest lizzie kemp our very
1: own exercise physiologist Hi. Great to be here. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Annalise. Welcome
0: back, Lizzie. Welcome back.
1: I'm excited to be back on the podcast. I did one on race walking, starting a walking program, and it's good to be back.
0: That's right. And if you guys don't know Lizzie, so like I said, she is a exercise physiologist in-house here at Positive Choice. She teaches all kinds of classes. Mm -hmm. Um, Most notably, she teaches cardio dance and conditioning live on our Facebook. Probably one of our most popular videos, right? One of our most popular exercise classes. And also, notably, uh, she went to the Olympic trials for race walking and holds the junior world record
1: for 100 miles. Wow, that sounds beautiful. Big, that was a long time ago, but yeah, yeah, I did some great race walking and um, it was a lot of fun. And now you help other
0: people perfect their
1: race walking and fitness walking. Correct. But here at Positive Choice, mostly I help people with behavior change. Which is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to focus on
0: tiny habits, big wins big wins. But also,
1: that was a great segue.
2: Uh, I just had to
1: point that out. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, tiny points, big wins. It's kind of like, uh, you know, how do you win the basketball game? It's little tiny points that add up throughout the game for that big win. And when you consistently are putting points on the board, that's how you win. So how can we that apply that principle to behaviors? Right,
0: exactly, and uh, we talk about that a lot in in our classes. Mm-hmm. And so, Lizzie,
1: why why should we focus on habits? Gosh, well, uh, habits are autopilot. It's what we do day after day without thinking, and so those habits can be behaviors that get us where we want to go and are positive influences on our life, or they can be habits that really are setting us back from where we want to go.
2: So both positive and negative habits, basically.
1: Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a, a behavior specialist. My degree's exercise physiology, but what I, we work with patients every day on behavior change, trying to help them through healthy balance, maintenance, weight loss, trying to get them to have a healthier life. And um, what I did was I took tips from five different human behavior specialists and really took the ideas that I thought were the concepts that really made sense to me. And so I thought I would share those today. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think this is fabulous to, to focus on. Um, because one thing that I talk to my classes a lot about is we get caught up in this motivation idea that like somehow the motivation will hit you one day and you'll feel like exercising every day and meal prepping. And if you don't feel like it, then, you know, you just aren't there yet. Just Yeah. Wake up. Yeah. I'm ready. Right. This. <laughs> right.
1: It's like, where's my motivation? I can't find it under the bed. Right. Or, <laughs>
2: uh,
1: or, oh, uh, if I just had more willpower yes
2: oh i don't like the word willpower i've mm-hmm. never been a fan of that
1: yeah willpower is tough because that means you have to uh, be aware of your behavior and make a choice to not do it and it's kind of like what you're trying to focus on the the pink elephant in the room don't think about the pink elephant don't think about what i can't eat don't think about the ice cream and then you're thinking, you're thinking more and more about it. So will power effect of oh, the white bear.
2: I have, there's a podcast or not a podcast, a Ted talk. I was watching and she talks about the white bear effect where your brain does a scan from front to back. When you say, don't think about this, it has to consciously scan. So you're not thinking about it, which means you're thinking about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I exactly. just did it this week. So that's why I was like, ah, fresh in my mind.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? It's hard. It takes a lot of effort to think and have willpower. Wouldn't it be nice if we could make it easy, mm-hmm. autopilot. People want to be healthier. They want to be more productive. They want to have supportive habits. But I want to do this, but how? How do I do that? Oh, tomorrow. I'll get I'll get to it tomorrow. Or I, I'm just not quite ready. Right, and the interesting thing to note about willpower
0: is that they have done research on this, and we have limited amounts of willpower Mm -hmm. per day, and we use it for all kinds of things, like you know, controlling what we say to people in our lives, controlling our reactions to like traffic or being cut off. We use our willpower, and so when behaviors are not habits, you're right. It takes so much energy that then. It uses up this like finite amount of willpower we have per day to enact these behaviors. And the key around all of that is making the behavior a habit. So it takes
1: less of your willpower reserves. Exactly. And that's why the yo-yo dieting is so common and the weight cycling is common because If the habits aren't locked in and we're white knuckling it with willpower Mm -hmm. we eventually will go back to what we were doing before the habit which is easy and it was maybe a habit of overeating um yeah it's the consistency over time that really gets us to win at our goals so let's talk about habits um There's a great TED Talk by B.J. Fogg, and I started with him. And um, with a habit, there's three parts to it. We have the trigger, what stimulates us to do the behavior. Then we have the behavior. And when we do that behavior, there's a reward that makes us want to do the behavior again. So we have this loop trigger behavior reward and it becomes a loop um, to just keep repeating that behavior so when we think about um, a trigger it can be anything from a situation say dining out at a restaurant or uh, a person certain people that encourage us to maybe drink too much or eat too much Uh, it can be uh, an emotion feeling stressed but the most common is like a routine of getting up looking at your phone going down the rabbit hole of the news and all of a sudden two hours are gone and gosh i didn't exercise i didn't get What I wanted to get done. So, how can we change that trigger so that it stimulates the behavior that we want?
0: So, the trigger is the kind of like external thing in our environments that prompts us to enact out our habits.
1: Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm sitting in a meeting, and why do I look at my phone? I'm bored. I have an emotion of boredom. You would never be bored in our meetings. Liz. You're, the, you're so, like the leader of the so, meeting. So, so, okay, let's say another person sitting at a di- at the dinner table. Someone a who doesn't or, work
0: here. Yes, or, or
1: sitting yes. at the dinner table, and you don't aren't even aware of it, but you just pick up your phone because you're feeling bored, and that phone is going to show you a notification that stimulates the dopamine uh, receptor and you get a reward of ooh I have a message ooh I got a notification so that phone is the trigger um or that emotion is the trigger and boy that phone is so easy it's right at our hand so we're going to talk about environment a little bit later um so when we think of behaviors behaviors can be good or bad, right? Or, or helpful or destructive. Mm-hmm.
2: I think I remember when we were working with the, like we worked with the sheriff's department for the county like a few years back and we talked about the lead chair effect, which would also be a, a behavior and a habit. Oh, in the, the sense, lead chair where, effect, you know, yes. You long, stressful, crazy day and you get home, you sink into your chair and watch TV and that is your life. You are now
1: the chair, the chair is you.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> that's, that's definitely an ingrained behavior and habit
1: as a result of a very long, stressful day. Right, right, just zoning out. The reward is zoning out, checking out, numbing out, Mm -hmm. right? So when we think of a behavior that we want, like, gosh, I I think the most common one at Positive Choice, our patients want to lose weight. Gosh, I want to lose 50 pounds. I cannot tell you how many emails I get with patients where I'm told, call this patient. They want to have one-on-one appointments. Their goal is to lose 50 pounds over and over and over again. Wow, how do you do that? 50 pounds is huge. Um, Maybe, um, I know, Annalise, you had a a running goal for a while, maybe to run a half marathon. Mm -hmm. How how would you run a half marathon? That's like, wow, that's... I would think you would need to be running daily, doing something where you're running daily.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's not like... James Clear, who, who's another um, you know, expert on, on habit building, he says this so beautifully. It's when we're looking at our goals, the goal is not, and I'm going to use the running example, the goal is not to run the half marathon. The goal is to
1: become a runner. Ah, I love it. So how do you become a runner? Well, running daily. Gosh, I'd get injured. Maybe I would start with walk a minute. I can walk. You can walk. We all walk. Mm -hmm. So maybe I could walk one minute, jog one minute, walk one minute, jog one minute. So I took that goal of becoming a runner or being a marathon runner to the teeniest, tiniest, little, tiny point, tiniest little step of walk, run, walk, run to get to that behavior.
2: Um, something that I, I, heard, and I think is kind of significant to that too, is motivation sometimes follows behaviors. So we like to think that we do something we're going to, you know, we're motivated to do it. So we're going to do it out of motivation. But if you're not motivated to do something, I think that's a valid point you're making is these little things that you can do that you can do when you're not super motivated that are going to kind of drive that motivation behind it rather than have to be motivated first. And then you go do the behavior change. You have to sometimes mm. start the behavior first. And make it small enough, they were like, well, I guess I can't really weasel out of this, you know? Right, yes.
1: right. Okay, so my goal was to be pain-free. I'm, I'm a swimmer, a lap swimmer. Oh,
2: the and, shoulder pain? Right and there. and uh-huh. I was having
1: so much <laughs> neck and shoulder pain where I was throwing bags of ice down my neck after swimming, really having a lot of pain, and COVID did me a favor. The pool shut down. I had to stop swimming. I'd like to go back to swimming. And my goal is to be pain free. Well, gosh, how do I get rid of neck pain, back pain? I guess maybe I would need to be doing yoga. I'd have to improve my flexibility. It's all about flexibility. So how would I improve my flexibility? Well, an hour a day of hot yoga, that's not gonna happen. But can I do a five minute yoga app on my phone? And you know what, I can. I did, that was my behavior change. I downloaded an app called Down Dog where I could change the time to five minutes, 12 minutes, a half hour, whatever I have time for. And I started with a baby step. I said, okay, I'm gonna get the yoga mat. I'm gonna get down on the yoga mat and I'm just gonna do five minutes. If I have 10 minutes, or 12 minutes or 20 minutes, I'll do more. And I did a lot of five minute days, a lot of five minute days, but I tried to not miss one. And I'm now doing a half hour most days. I'm having less pain in my neck. So when we think of the behavior, rather than thinking of winning the game, I wanna win the game, think, how can I put points on the board? Can I start with one point, two points? Um, so that behavior, how can you break it down to the tiniest, tiniest point?
2: So if we stick with our example of running, then I can kind of think of what I did. I downloaded an app. Oh, weird. It's like apps are a thing. And I downloaded an app that made me go running for literally 15 minutes or actually it wasn't even 15 minutes total. It was a five minute warm-up, five minute walk, run, five minute cool down. That was it. That's how I started. And every, I think every couple of days it would add a little extra, add a little extra. And it got to the point where I was like, yeah. And I was, and then I started going too much. And then Annalise yelled at me. She's like, you're going too much. And I was like, okay, (laughs) but, (laughs) but it got me motivated because initially I wasn't, but I was like, but I could do, I could do five minutes. It was really only a total of two minutes of actual running that I was doing in that
1: 15 minute span. So it was very feasible. Mm, I love that. So once you started doing it, you were motivated to do more. Mm -hmm. So when we think of that trigger behavior reward that creates the loop. So we repeat the behavior over and over again. What was your reward for the running?
2: Uh, A few things. Uh, Mostly I was feeling better and I had more uh, cardiovascular endurance, which I haven't had in a while because I hadn't been swimming in it for a while. So I was doing running as an alternative, but I think the biggest thing was just I was feeling more confident with myself and feeling better about myself just for that, that alone. Cause it was just such a high impact, such a strenuous workout for me because I'm a swimmer too. So like running is definitely not in my wheelhouse. It's not something that I'm really like, Ooh, yay running. And it was making myself do something that I had been historically, uh, very vocal about not liking, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had talked to me when I first, it was like 2018 when I first started. Because I was initially training for Tough Mudder, which ended up falling falling through. I didn't end up doing that. But yeah, that was what I initially started it for. It ended up being something that I enjoyed at the end of it, which was very odd. That's the call that, like, the runner's high, the addiction of running, where you mm. kind of, like, get into it after a while. I think I started experiencing that. And I was like, well, what's wrong with me? Am I broken?
1: <laughs> yeah. So at first, it was the accomplishment of, whoa, I did this. Yeah. Good job. When I could attaboy. run 20 minutes
2: nonstop, I was like, this is so
1: cool. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the endorphins came mm-hmm. and you had that reward. So um yeah, the reward for um, a habit can be to distract you, like the phone distracted me, entertained me from the boring, you know, meeting or conversation. It can be the physical, the endorphins. Um, the dopamine payoff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can be the out of boy good job sense of accomplishment, checking the box, but the brain lays down a memory or a pathway to get to the reward. And it lays down that pathway because it wants that reward again and again, and it becomes automatic,
0: Mm -hmm. autopilot. And I think it's really important to understand during the process is that new habits don't have the dopamine payoff that old habits do. Mm-mm. So it's one of the things that makes behavior change so hard is that let's say, you know, I have been using eating as a coping mechanism for 20 years. Eating then has a very high dopamine payoff for me mm. versus then I say, okay, I'm go- I'm going to start like meditating to deal with some stress. And so I start meditating the dopamine payoff is very small comparatively and it's taking a bunch of energy so my initial reaction might be well this doesn't this doesn't replace it food still makes me feel better so we keep drawing and drawing to that and i think you know when when we're in the beginning of behavior change it can be very empowering to understand that yes at first we may not get the equal payoff but it's coming. Mm -hmm. You just have to keep practicing. Mm. You have to get over that hump. And one day you will become a meditator. One day you will become an exerciser because your body, your brain has created those strong associations, has created those dopamine payoffs and you will get there, but you have to do it. Like you have to practice Mm -hmm. Mm. consistency and persistence which is why you
2: yelled at me about running too much, because I was like, I'm too into it now. And you're like, stop it, too much, right? which was wise advice. Because <laughs> there's always that point of diminishing returns yeah. when you're exercising. or you Yeah, know. absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, absolutely. So
2: you know, there, there is a fine line between like getting it to get that payoff and then going a little too far, and then there's no more payoff anymore. And that's kind of where I was starting to get to. I was like, my runs are starting to suck now. And it's like, so I was just doing it every day when I should have been doing it like three or four mm, days tops a mm, week. So, mm. But I
1: learned. With helpful advice, but I learned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So, so yeah, we can overdo it. I guess a good habit can become a detrimental habit when we start wanting that reward so much. You could get obsessive.
2: I mean, there are those people who are like, you know, addicted to exercise where they exercise so much to the point where it's no longer, you know, beneficial. But Mm -hmm. that's so far and few between, I find.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of like the payoff or the, um uh, the, the reward. So I, I went, uh, on Thursday mornings, I I do a five mile loop around the lake with some of my race walking buddies. And this morning I was walking with Larry and I was talking to him about habits. I really said, come on, Larry, I, I need to do, I need to kind of get my head in the game for this podcast. So I want to talk to you about your exercise and your habits. And he was telling me a story of how, um, he retired and wanted to lose some weight. And he decided, you know, I really can't lose weight sitting in this chair. I need to start walking. And uh, he got a Garmin that would count his miles. And uh, he'd go out for, you know, oh, my goal, I'm going to do two-mile walks. I'm going to do two-mile walks. And he'd be so excited to see the Garmin and see those miles add up. And the Garmin became the attaboy, good job, way to go. And every once in a while, he would forget to start it and he'd do the walk and it didn't capture the two miles or the three miles and he would be so frustrated. And I'm like, but Larry, you did the two miles. You you know, you did it. And he's like, ah, but you know what? I like to see it at the end of the week. I wanna see the total. And it just made me realize how powerful a little tool like a step counter or a Garmin or an Apple Watch can be because he started out with two miles of walking and now he's doing four or five miles most days. And just getting the box checked, seeing that total on the Garmin has been a great external reward. And once that reward was like pinging the, ooh, Good job. Good job. Get that reward. Now he's starting to feel better. He's seeing the benefit of less weight, uh, feeling the benefit of um, the walks are becoming easier. But it does take some getting started.
2: You know, the thing that, the, I mean, I can use it as an example, kind of talk it through, but the thing I hear a lot in my classes is tracking, tracking your food. That's a habit people want to have but continuously fail at maintaining or establishing, right? Because that's what I'm constantly getting feedback from in my classes. I'm like, we need to track our food. I'm like, well, I just, I just forget, or it's too much, or I don't want to use the app. And So how could someone want to get more involved with tracking their food and being more diligent with it if it's something that's just daunting for them to do?
1: Okay, I love that. And the very last thing we're going to do is problem-solve for tracking, because that is huge. Yes. But we need to put everything together. Okay. Okay, so... We'll table it for now. Yeah, we're going to table that for now, (laughs) but but we're going to actually really dive down that rabbit hole of how to get some solutions on how to get that tracking habit consistent. Mm -hmm. Okay, so talking about habits... There's a technique called stacking or swapping. Stacking is when you put the new behavior, the behavior you want with a habit you're already doing. So that habit's in autopilot. It's easy. You don't even think about it. And you tag a new habit onto a behavior that you're already doing. So. I go to the dentist, he says, I need to start flossing my teeth. Okay, I tag that to brushing my teeth. Um, I'm not a good water drinker, so I started leaving my water cup by the coffee machine, and while my coffee brews, I drink some water. When I'm in the car driving, I drink from my water bottle. So... I'm stacking that behavior. Maybe um, I'm thinking uh, relaxation if I'm stressed and I wanted to start doing some deep breathing and relaxation techniques. Um, maybe when I pick up my phone, I see a picture of nature, and every time I pick up my phone, take deep, deep breath. breath. I like right? that so I'm stacking a behavior. That's easy. It doesn't take much energy because we're already doing the beha- another behavior. Swapping is a little trickier, and that's where the willpower comes in. Um, swapping is I'm going to put in a behavior. I'm going to plug a behavior into a behavior I'd rather not have. So I'm thinking, um, gosh, can you think of, of something like that where you're Exchanging a better behavior for a unhelpful behavior. Snacking at night. Ah, snacking at night. <laughs> I'm Excellent. Just list everything yes. that I hear
2: from my patients. Uh-huh. Snacking at night.
1: Yeah. So, what do we snack on at night that maybe is holding us back from managing our weight? Popcorn, chips, candy, ice cream, ice cream. Right. Anything that tastes good. So, <laughs> so we could swap, swap it, and have maybe an apple instead. One tip I actually had this uh, from a friend and
2: I really loved it because you know she said like a lot of times it's just changing craving like a palate change when you had a savory dinner and you're looking for something sweet is just con- you that's know, the contrast. reward
1: the sweet <laughs> yeah the sweet
2: and what she would do is she get cinnamon gum and she would just chew on cinnamon gum because it gave her the sensation of eating like red hots when she wasn't actually eating those so I thought that was kind of kind of
1: neat. Nice swapping mm. in the gum that could work.
0: And then it gets that like mouth motion going, Mm -hmm. if that's part of what is drawing Mm -hmm. you to the yeah, Yeah. The oral fixation, right?
1: (laughs) So I could swap in the gum, or I could swap in um, an apple instead of the ice cream. But it still takes effort, some mindfulness, some awareness of, wow, I really want that sweet. I want the ice cream. I'm going to have gum instead. Or, oh, I'm going to have an apple instead. And maybe I'll have the apple and and then still go for the ice cream. It takes some willpower. Mm -hmm. And if I'm thinking, don't eat the ice cream, don't eat the ice cream, have the gum, don't eat the ice cream, I've got the white bear syndrome. Mm -hmm. Because all you're going to fixate on is that ice cream. I like
2: to remind my patients, too, specifically of that is like is don't don't put foods on a pedestal. Don't make them that important and don't let them have power over you like that, because if you fixate on something like that, you're absolutely going to sabotage yourself and have it if you just make it a point of fixation. So instead of just saying, no, you can't have it, maybe instead say, well, I'm going to have the apple first and see how I feel. Mm. And then when I have that apple and see how I feel, maybe I'm like, oh, I don't need the ice cream.
1: Yeah, more." no, nope, okay. I still want the ice cream. Then you know what? Have the ice then, cream. Yep. Then so be it. But start with the apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be an example of swapping. With stacking, that's a little bit easier. It's after I do this, I will do that. So it can be, um, if I want the habit of, Um, eating healthy snacks and and snacking on veggies throughout the day instead of nuts and chips or whatever falls out of the cupboards at me. Um, Perhaps it could start with when I'm unloading the groceries, I chop and prep my veggies. After I clear the table from dinner, I prep my lunches in the leftovers in the clear boxes.
2: I do that so, while I'm serving the dinner. There we I go. I serve it on a plate and I put it on same time. After I do
1: this, I'll do that. And I bet you're pretty consistent about mm. it.
2: I cook for a family of four and there's only two of us. It's great.
1: There we go. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I cook for a family of four and there's only two of us. Yeah
2: always have lunches the next day that's my goal is always to have something the next day so i'm not like ah what do i have for lunch and then it's scrambling or digging through you know like the worst thing that you can do is not have anything prepared and then like what do i make or what if you're out and about and like i have to stop somewhere and get
1: something you know or in the morning dashing out for work mm-hmm. or at night you've had dinner you've watched tv maybe you've had that bowl of ice cream and the last thing you want to do is now get out the tupperware and mm-hmm. prep for lunch for tomorrow exactly so you have the consistent habit of packing because you have the trigger it has a time after i while i'm serving while i'm serving my dinner i serve my tupperware containers yeah
2: I i have a whole i have a whole system and a whole technique like i i actually weigh out my pasta dry so i know exactly how many servings we're gonna have and a whole box of the chickpea pasta i buy is Four servings, so four meals, whole box, no problem. Don't measure Excellent. it, just distribute it.
1: Okay, and your reward for doing all that Tupperware work.
2: I don't have to think about it the next day. I'm, I'm guessing done. it's organization. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow,
1: I just saved myself time. Mm-hmm. I'm organized, life is easy today, I'm efficient, and wow, I'm enjoying this lunch now. Yep, that's pretty much exactly what it is. <laughs> and it makes you want to repeat it. Yeah. And now you're in the loop. Of a locked in behavior. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's worth noting too that what you guys are talking about also goes to what your self talk is about these behaviors. True. Because when we talk about rewards, if you are actually rewarding your behavior, you will adopt that habit faster. So, like when you guys were talking, like Lizzie's talk was very positive. Right, We're like, oh yeah, I did this little bit of extra work and it's gonna save me time and I'm gonna be able to eat healthier tomorrow. But you gotta watch that self-talk because the self-talk could be that, oh, now I have to do this and then I have to eat the same food tomorrow and then blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then, so you have to be really careful with presenting yourself with that reward because I think the reward is not inherent in doing the meal prep you have to create that immediate reward.
1: Mm. mm. Right. Feel that organization. Yeah, it, it's really getting that reward right then, the good job, Melanie. You're ready for tomorrow. Yes. Well done. <laughs>
2: I take, I take photos
0: of all of my little burritos that I make, and I'll take a little snap photo, I'm like, look what I did, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where the, the distinction becomes so powerful. So when we're talking about these tiny habits, right, the goal is for your daily life to push you towards your bigger goal, right? And where so many of us get lost is that we focus on that long-term goal, and the reward and payoff is so far out that it becomes almost irrelevant in, in our day-to-day life. So let's say, you know, my goal is to lose weight. Like, let's take the example from earlier. My goal is to lose 50 pounds. Well, that is so far out Uh. that the reward becomes inconsequential when, let's say I do eat for stress relief and my stress is on, you know, it's, on the highest level. And my main goal in the moment is to relieve that stress. If the only reason that I am letting go of the eating, the overeating is to get this long goal that's, you know, six months, a year out, well, suddenly it becomes so easy to in that moment be like, I'll just get back on it tomorrow because I need to I need the immediate gratification of relieving my stress now. So, like I love when you guys are talking about like creating that immediate reward. You have to have an immediate gratification reward for all of these daily habits otherwise we're like,
1: ugh. Okay, so bingo. We're on to something. It's not just The big, I want to lose 50 pounds. We have to break that into teeny, tiny little points to get to the big win. And same thing with the reward. If you just have the big payoff of, oh my gosh, when I lose 50 pounds, then I'm going to get a whole new wardrobe. And I'm going to start exercising because I'm enjoying the gym because I'm finally going (laughs) to look great. That is so far down the line. How do I stay motivated to, where's the Where's the reward to reinforce this, these little teeny tiny wins and points to get to that big payoff? And that's where the, at, the positive self-talk, the attaboy, good job, Melanie, finding the, like, really looking at what the benefits are of exactly. um, these habits. So, okay, so let's make things easy. You know, uh, we want habits to be autopilot. Um, we want to work smarter not harder. And that makes me want to segue into something called momentum versus friction. If I have a tennis ball and I set it on this table and I give it a little push, it's gonna gain momentum and roll across the table. If the table has a bunch of pens and papers and erasers all over it, and i push that ball it's going to get stuck and stopped and i'm going to have to restart it and restart it and that's called friction so when we want to create a habit we want to build momentum through our in our environment and our situations and we also want so we want to make the good habits easier make momentum for the good habits so they're easy to have happen and then we want to create friction for the habits that we want to stop. So I'm going to talk about smoking. Okay. Um, With smoking, many people were smoking, and they wanted to have people stop smoking. But they saw triggers of their coworkers smoking, and it was easy to do, and they had the reward of the nicotine. How do you get people to stop? Well, they made it so that there was no smoking in public places that's friction you have to go outside in the cold empty parking lot to smoke and then you go to the grocery store and it's taxed they added taxes super expensive to buy the cigarettes and now the cigarettes aren't with the candy bars easy to grab you're not in vending machines in restaurants anymore. no you have to ask the checker to Get the manager with the key, unlock the cigarettes, bring it back. Meanwhile, everybody in line is waiting. So there's all this friction that made smoking harder. And we went to down less than 15% of the population smoking. So um, how can we apply that momentum and friction to our habits? And if we open up the cupboards and there's chips and snacks and ice cream, that's too easy that's momentum. Friction means if you want ice cream, you got to get in the car and go get it. Your one scoop. And momentum is you open up the refrigerator and you see yogurt and berries ready to go for dessert. So what momentum can you set up to make the habit easy? What friction can you set up to make that undesirable habit harder and what can you stack the behavior to? When I do this, I'm going to do this new behavior so that it can lock in and become a pathway to that reward and become automatic. So we have to go back. We're almost out of time, right? We are. It's about, but we it's have, about, it's about that time like right now. But, <laughs> but we have to figure out the, um, the, the food tracking, okay? So what could be a trigger to remind you to do your food tracking?
0: a reminder on your phone yeah maybe like an alarm
1: I would just shut it off
0: what I do this is what I do to
2: track because I track pretty much every day is while I'm eating breakfast I'll have my phone up and I'll kind of just go through my day sometimes I have my days planned out pretty efficiently and I'll start putting everything in in the morning so I know what I have kind of tallied up in there and then that way, at the end of the day, I can just go back to it and revisit, like,
1: did I have anything else? Do I ha- did I have the calories this or do I have the calories for this? So you did stacking. When I'm eating my breakfast, I plan out mm-hmm. and track my day. I'm a planner. That's what I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and what's the reward or payoff?
2: Reward and payoff. Well, I uh, have my day planned out, so I don't have to think about it. So it's one less thing that's going to stress me out, and one less thing to be like sitting in the back of my mind. I know exactly what I get to have, exactly how much of it, and exactly you know what meal it's going for. And it just makes life feel so exact. I love it.
1: I love that. <laughs> and you can make the tracking just a baby step. Yeah. If I just track my breakfast or just one meal, it can get the momentum for the rest.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it took me at a few years to get to the point where I'm doing every meal. It took me a while to like, I'd be like halfway through the day and kind of give up, but I kept trying to get there. So mm-hmm. I finally have it down, but it didn't, it didn't
1: happen overnight. It was, it was a process. Mm-hmm. But really the benefit of tracking, uh, if you can get that habit going, you learn what a 350 calorie meal looks like. Exactly. You, and then it becomes more intuitive. You know, the value, the calorie cost of meals. Exactly. And that's just one habit one point to the big win of a healthier life
0: right and i think going just to kind of like tie that up the reward with that would have to be something of self-talk because the reward of knowing you track your calories the reward of actually tracking your account cal- that's not immediate and that doesn't necessarily mean anything i, I think in thinking the about moment. it now i think it's like stress relief for me so it could be stress relief and acknowledging that stress relief mm-hmm. um putting it into context of like yes, I did this. I didn't know that I could track for five days straight and I did it and I'm proud of myself and, mm-hmm. and getting that, that yeah. reward
1: going. You know you could also tie it to making your coffee like your coffee's brewing and that coffee is a reward. I never forget to make coffee. It's yummy, it's yeah. delicious. I want that coffee. So if while the coffee's brewing, I'm putting some food and do in, into my tracker, then the reward is, oh, I get to enjoy my coffee now. I've done that task.
0: Yes. Yeah. Such fantastic stuff today, Lizzie. Thank Gosh, you. Gosh, so, so much. much with
1: habits. <laughs> we could go on and on, but I hope that you got some pearls to go after <laughs> and take action on a habit that is going to give you a fuller, healthier, more beautiful life.
0: Yes. So go get it. I love that. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Lizzie. We're so happy to have you on every time. So fun. Thank you. Well, until next time, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.